Hello, darling. How are you? Hello, gorgeous. I'm fucking great. I'm back from Florida safely. So yay. And I get to talk to you. So my day's going fucking amazing. How's yours? I love it. It's good. Didn't do too much today. Just lots of errands and cleaning and organizing and things. Oh, exactly. But things that have been put off for literally months. Yes. Claps for you. Accomplishments. Yes. I approve of all this, but also, ugh. I know. Fucking, it's the worst. I mean, it's nowhere near done, but it's, you know, definitely a a good, a good chunk. The worst part is it's never done, Monique. It's never fucking done. It just resets every fucking week. And then you're like, oh, I have to do all of the shit over again. Great. I fucking know. (laughs) I'm so thankful I live in New York and I can get basically everything delivered because I swear that's like half my errands is like outsourcing it to other people and apps and being like, "I, I just don't have time for this. I'm really bad at that for some reason. I'm like, I should be doing this. You should be doing this. Yes. No, but I'm like, I support this. I'm like, I should be doing it on my own. Oh, no, 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 yeah. no, no. <laughs> That's silly, Monique. No, that's no. <laughs> I also have a lot of difficulty asking for help. <laughs> so You're not asking. You're paying that's, for that's a right. service. I'm paying for a service. Yes. It's just, yeah, no, I get that. I totally get that. No, I'm the person that if you're like, hey, do you need help? I will say no on principle. But you're like, hey, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, sure. Jump in. Amazing. But I don't need your help. That's the difference. Ah, I see. I see. (laughs) I was like, we're ridiculous for the record. They were like, "Uh, no. I mean, (laughs) as long as we know, as long as we know our bullshit. They didn't (laughs) phrase uh, their offer of help correctly. So I'm not taking you up on it. Thanks. So I'll be like, I know you don't need it, but it would make me happy if I helped you out. If I just like tidied up around here. Like, okay, if that makes you happy. It's like, yeah. It's like, yeah, I love that. It's the best kind of help. Uh, Okay. I did finally watch the finale of White Lotus. Uh I did not text you everything in all capital letters, I think, because I was just shocked. Yeah. Shocked. Yeah. I'm like still reeling. Yeah. Even though you're like, I don't call it a spoiler, but you're like the thing you think is going to happen is going to happen, basically. And I was like, the whole time I was still like, no, no, it's not. No. Yeah. And then, no, it did. It did. Have to say such a fucking badass. Amazing. Like <laughs> yes. those who know what I'm talking about, know what I'm talking about. I'm not saying too much. But All the like, finger snaps. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Also, was that relatable to me? And that's how I feel like my life would go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where I'd be like, oh, did I do something like totally amazing and badass? And then immediately like <laughs> embarrass myself in a horrible way. Yeah. Great. I mean, I, I've gotten myself in enough predicaments in my life that have been very questionable and very dumb. And as they're happening, I'm like, oh my God, like, is this, <laughs> this is great. This is great. Like, this is how great. Mm-hmm. Cool. It uh, hasn't happened yet. Thank God. But too relatable. That would happen to me. Yes. Yeah. But amazing. I want to go back and rewatch it all now because I just, I wasn't prepared emotionally. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad. I'm so glad, uh, I mean, that you finally watched it. Yes. It's so good. So good. <sighs> I know. We've just been like saying this <laughs> basically for the past like, <laughs> like two years. <laughs> six weeks <laughs> at least. Yes. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. Speaking of White Lotus, I started watching 
Welcome to Chippendales. <gasps> I I really wanted to watch that, but I have not I have not ventured yet. Is it good? Worth the watch? Yeah. Treat yourself. I will treat myself. Thank you, Monique. It's great. Especially since Murray Bartlett, also known as Armand from season one of White Lotus, is one of the lead characters in Welcome to Chippendales. Oh my God. I'm immediately sold. I'm literally watching that tonight. That's what's happening. I mean, yes. Treat yourself. It's great. I adore him. Also, he's like... weirdly like devastatingly handsome to me johnny and i were talking about this like armand fucking get it yeah and it's funny because like in the opening credits like his name came up and i was like i know that name but i couldn't put a face to it and then i saw him and i couldn't really place him either i'm like he looks familiar but i can't place who he is because he doesn't have the australian accent he doesn't have the mustache but he's also very much a character actor in that way and he just has, apparently his wheelhouse is playing like people who are excellent at their job, like on top of their shit and are manic and could like fucking wild out like at any second is like his typecast. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I fucking love it. It's great. I feel like he looks like he could be Henry Cavill's dad like a little bit. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Right? Like he has that vibe. Like if yeah. anybody wants to write a like aged Superman movie, cast him. That is the fucking done. Yeah. So I don't know if you know anything about the Chippendales story, but it's fucking bananas. I have heard that it's bananas, but I don't really know the details. It's fucking crazy. So there there have been several series on it. There was one on Discovery Plus, I want to say, that was called The Curse of the Chippendales or The Curse of Chippendales. This kind of rings a bell. Okay. Yeah. And then there was a podcast called Welcome to Your Fantasy, which is, I think, is probably what, like, those two things take a lot from. Gotcha. Um, Because this is a scripted series, like a dramatization, if you will. It's fucking crazy. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm very excited about this. And it's just one of those things of just the male ego is a hell of a drug and just shut the fuck up and take the money. Everything is working. Like, why are you making a problem when there's not a fucking problem? Take the money. (laughs) Words to live by. Shut the fuck up and take the money. Seriously. Shut the fuck up and take the money. And like, I'm someone who loves making a problem when there isn't a problem in my head. Like, it's my one of my favorite things to do as a self-sabotaging person. And I have to like talk myself off a ledge being like, this is, we're not in a reality where any of this is even close to happening. So you need to calm the fuck down and just like have a vino. But no one had this kiki with themselves. No one had someone to have this kiki with them, apparently. Like they just all fucking wild out and it's fucking crazy. When ultimately, at the end of the fucking day, this is about a business of men taking their fucking clothes off. Calm the fuck down. Yes. Shut up. (laughs) Take the money. Take the money. I love it. Don't make a problem where there isn't one. It's crazy. And it's really good. I think... I think the series is eight episodes. Okay. And because it's a an FX show, <gasps> it's it's streaming on Hulu. Love them. They do great shows. Some of my faves. They do. They nail it for sure. Yeah. So I think their tonight is episode six premieres, I believe. Oh. Because I started watching it yesterday. Okay. But it's great. Highly recommend. Also, for those of you in the New York City area, uh, until January 1st, so you have basically a week after this airs, uh, if you want to go to the Broadway, Don and I went to go see the one man Christmas Carol starring Jefferson Mays. Okay. It was one of the best things I've seen definitely this year up there, probably ever. It was incredible. Damn. Yeah. That is a, 
hell of a recommendation coming from you, Monique. It was incredible. Yeah. Okay. It's like 75 minutes. One dude doesn't stop. And, you know, I've seen A Christmas Carol a billion times. I've seen a billion iterations of it. And this is so dumb to say, but it never like occurred to me that it's like a ghost story, even though there's four fucking ghosts in it. Because it's never been like presented in like a horror way. I've never seen it presented that way. Yep. You don't know this yet, but we're for sure having a psychic sister moment right now. (laughs) Oh, okay. I'm so excited. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so excited. You're going to be excited later. And this is why I love you, Monique. Thank you. (laughs) I fucking love you. God, I can't even handle it. I love it so much. And I love that so hard that we're psychic sisters (laughs) and how like we didn't know this when we met, but clearly we did because we were like called to each other. Like magnets, girl. Yeah. Girl. I love you so much. I can't even handle this. And it was like, I literally cried at the end of it. Donna cried at the end of it. Oh my God. It was so beautiful. And it was a thing like, oh my God, Tiny Tim's not going to be okay. I know he's not going to be okay. I've seen this literally (laughs) all of the fucking time. But it's It's like that's- a new story. (laughs) No, but that's how like engaging it was. It just, it was so like on on the outside of the theater though, like it'll be papered with reviews, like snippets of reviews. And one of them says, you've seen A Christmas Carol, but never like this. And they'll say that about a lot of shit, but this is actually true. And let me tell you, People are like full on wilding out out there. You know, I know that the holidays are very stressful time. Literally a couple rows in front of us. People came in late as happens all of the fucking time. And so people like, you know, and they were in the middle of the of the the row and, you know, people stood up and the one of the women who stood up was like, don't step on my fucking foot in a Broadway show. What? Ma'am. It's dark. Ma'am, relax. This wasn't intentional. Calm the fuck down. We're on the Broadway. And there's been a lot of that of people just wilding out. And literally, Don and I commented on it that at the end of the show, you could feel that the energy in the room was completely changed. Like everyone was just like chill and like, yeah, like we shouldn't be fucking nuts towards people. Yeah. You know, like maybe be nice to your fellow humans. God blesses everyone. Yeah. Goodwill towards men and shit like that. It was, it's incredible. It's really, really beautiful. If I had a day available between now and then, I would probably go see it again, but I, alas, do not. But it's, it's really, really, really beautiful. And it's a, a feat of acting and writing and stagecraft and uh, directing and lighting and, and all of the things come together. And it's just, it's wonderful. Fuck. Yeah. All right. Damn, you're making me want to go to a Broadway play I right now, which think is... you should. It's 75 minutes of your life, girl. I like that with no intermission because I don't... No, the way God intended. Thank in and you. out. Let's I fucking go. abide an in intermission. No. Fuck off. I know. This, we can't do some lame shit that's three and a half hours, man. Oh, absolutely not. Okay, definitely not a musical. I definitely can't do a <laughs> fucking three-hour musical. No. Yeah. And it's one of those that, especially because it's, it's Dickensian, it's, it's written, obviously, it's straight off of the text. So it is in that language. So it takes a little bit to to acclimate to that. But like 10 minutes in, you're like, let's go. We're here. Boom. I mean, there was a show I saw the week before that was three hours and 15 minutes long with an intermission. And I'd seen it before. I'd seen a production of it, not this one. And I went to go see this production and it wasn't bad. It was just fine. And, And it's a very depressing show as is. And I was like, you know, Three and a half hours for a show that's fine about not living up to your life's potential and then killing yourself at the end. 
like I left at intermission because I was like, I, I'd rather take a nap. I haven't really slept a lot. <laughs> I love you so much. And I don't <sighs> ever do that. I don't ever do that because I saw a production of it years earlier that like it was electrifying. Like you couldn't breathe when you watched it. So this one would be fine. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm like, it's like, I'm so sleep deprived. Yeah. I'm going to go and I'm just going to take a nap. <laughs> You're like, either that or I'm going to fall asleep in the second half. So might as well just be in a bed. I mean, I was already like going, you know, it just, it just really wasn't for me uh, that, that one production. I don't want to name check it because I don't want to shit on anyone. That's a true uh, artist right there. I mean, I'll, I'll name check it in per- like one-on-one, but I'm not going to, I'm oh, not going to yeah. do it on the air because <laughs> that's really shitty. You know what? That's, I respect that. Yeah. I respect that. I also got to see uh, Beetlejuice the musical with... Mm-hmm. A hardcore jealous right now. So fucking jealous right now. How was it? So Elizabeth Teeter, who plays Lydia, is a friend of the pod and a friend of mine. So I Of course, s- because you know everybody cool because you're so <laughs> fucking cool, Monique. What the fuck? I love you. I love you. And it was one of those things that I had tickets and she'd been out because you know, I, I had seen it before the pandemic, but they changed a lot of it for the better since then. And one of the big changes was Elizabeth was now in the show and I know her. uh, So I wanted to go support this brilliantly talented woman that I know, but I work every fucking day of my life. So I didn't have a second to see it. Uh, And then I was like, okay, I'm going to see it this day. And then she was out with the flu for the week. And then I was able to switch my tickets to the following day. She's like, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. And then like right before I see on her Instagram that she's on, I was like, "Ah!" so I was very excited. I got to see her and she was fucking phenomenal as usual. So it was very cool. And just, you know, I love a Tim Burton property, you know? Yes. On the stage? Girl. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's very, uh, as they say in the show, a a great departure from the source material. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, you can't do all that. No, I mean, no, they, there's sandworms and all sorts of crazy what? shit. And they, girl, they, they fucking have them. That's literally what I love that you knew exactly what my brain went to. I was like, that's the part they had to cut. Of course, because we're fucking psychic sisters. They bring out those sandworms like three times. I'm very impressed right now. <laughs> this is the Broadway, the magic of the Broadway. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Hi, we've been around. We know how to fucking do things. Thank you. Hi, we got Broadway money. <laughs> we're literally older than TV. Fuck off, Amy. <laughs> and brand recognition for Beetlejuice. So, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, they have the sandworms. They have uh, it, the the sets are very cool and, and the puppetry and stuff is very cool. But they just were like, we're not going to really do the movie. <laughs> They're like, we're going to have aspects of, of the plot lines of the movie, but not entirely. Like the big thing is that uh, Lydia's mom has recently passed away. Oh, shit. That is a huge. Yeah. And she just wants to be with her mom and get her mom back. Which is and then like wanting to go to the to the other side, the netherworld to go get her mom. It's a whole different thing. And then she's trying to get Beetlejuice to help her do that. I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm very impressed. But Elizabeth, you nailed it, girl, as usual. Yes. I have to check this out. Fuck. It's that one's also closing. It's closing a week after Christmas Carol. God damn it. I never get my act together in time. And so this is me gonna be missing this probably. <laughs> Fuck. I'm sorry. I mean, you got like three weeks. Oh. Yeah, like you got like three weeks. It's January 8th. All right. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I can get my act together in time. Yeah, I believe in you. It's still ambitious. It's still ambitious, Monique. We can make it happen. I believe in you. I believe in you. (laughs) 
Uh, those were fucking great recommendations. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course. So yes, hopefully our New York people will go. That's Yeah, awesome. go check out Beetlejuice, the musical, and definitely check out Christmas Carol if you can. It's a fucking work of art. It's so beautiful and just, you know, and, and things like one-man shows can be very much a circle jerk, like a, a yourself being like, I'm amazing. But that just wasn't the vibe at all. Good, good. It was just someone who like loves doing this and is great at it and just... Like I said, at the end of the show, the show started five minutes in a woman being like, don't step on my fucking foot. And then it ended with just the, the room just feeling so much lighter and everyone being like, oh, yeah. Aww. Oh, yeah. Christmas. Goodwill towards men. Yeah. Don't be a dick. If someone steps on your foot, it's probably not on purpose. What a concept. Maybe give them the benefit of the doubt. Yes. It's just two people standing literally in the most narrow like <laughs> row ever. Yeah. They give you like two feet of room. That's it. Maybe if you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah. As a long legged person, those, those seats are rough. I will say. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't feel that pain. I'm sorry. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Anytime I'm, I'm on an airplane and it's not the aisle seat, it's a full on freak out. Oh, I am the psycho who can literally stand up straight under the fucking carry on thing. That's me. You have no idea how jealous I am of you. <laughs> like no idea. <laughs> I'm sorry. I feel like people always get excited when I walk up and I'm the middle seat for them because they're like, oh, thank God. This bitch is not going to take any of my fucking Mm, side mm -hmm. space or any of my uh, leg room. Amazing. Yep. All right. And on that note. Yeah. You ready to get on to some paranormal Christmas tale, maybe? We'll see. Yeah. Absolutely, girl. Let's fucking go. Yes. Amazing. Oh, one note. I just have to say I was correct. They did take Lincoln's body on like a fucking tour around the country because of course they did. What is actually wrong with fucking everyone? What is wrong with people? Who wants to look at that? Apparently a lot of people. I've, it was a huge draw. Was, nothing else is going on at that time. Come on. Also important to remember 1880s embalming is not a fucking thing. Not great. Yeah. Probably like spritzing in with some rose water or something like, well, oh my God, I know. I don't want to think about it. I mean, Ugh. that's why flowers are a thing at funerals because before embalming, that's how you'd mask the smell of a rotting fucking corpse. So gross. Yes. <sighs> also kind of why they were brought in for weddings too, right? Because like that was before the time when people like really bathed that frequently. So that was to like hide. I didn't know that, but that makes sense. Oh, God, this is going to be another thing I have to look up for next episode. God damn it. I think that's correct. <laughs> I, it sounds correct. <sighs> it's like wedding has a lot of fucked up traditions. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Girl. But speaking of traditions... And like you brought up with A Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. So you probably don't know, but there actually used to be a tradition of telling ghost, ghost stories, stories at Christmas, baby. At Christmas. Yes. And should come as no surprise, since the most famous Christmas story is, in fact, a ghost story, which I was kind of of your mindset where I was like, oh, yeah, I guess it does have a bunch of fucking ghosts in it. Why didn't I ever think of it? As like a creepy... A Christmas carol, you're saying? Ghost story. Yeah, literally. Yes. Yeah. So this is not just a coincidence because according to Smithsonian Magazine, Charles Dickens's A Christmas Carol was first published in 1843. And it's a story about a man tormented by a series of ghosts the night before Christmas. And it belonged to a once rich, but now mostly forgotten tradition of telling ghost stories on Christmas Eve. Telling ghost stories during winter is a folk custom that stretches back centuries. But since it paid homage to the supernatural... The Puritans frowned on the tradition, so it never gained much traction in America. Boo. Yep. 
While Washington Irving helped resurrect a number of the forgotten Christmas traditions in the early 19th century, it was Dickens who popularized the notion of telling ghost stories on Christmas Eve, and even said in The Seven Poor Travelers that Christmas Eve is, quote, the witching time for storytelling, end quote, which I love, by the way. Also, like, why isn't that our Christmas Eve? That sounds rad as fuck. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Apparently, everyone used to, like, get together and then just, like, swap spooky stories. That sounds amazing. That does sound like amazing. After you fill up on fucking, yeah, Christmas Eve dinner, get around the fire, fucking amazing. I'm pretty sure The Woman in Black takes place on Christmas Eve as well. Oh, really? Because it's about a guy who hires an actor to help him retell this crazy story that happened to him, this crazy paranormal story that happened to him to his family and friends. But I'm pretty sure he's going to do it on Christmas Eve. Okay, interesting. I've not seen The Woman in Black still. I know you recommended the play. Cool, it's closing in March. Yes, and I know there's a movie. <laughs> the, the movie's fine. Wait, you're telling me to go to the play in London? Is that what you're yeah. telling me? I'm yeah. definitely not doing that. I appreciate it. Do you want to go with me? Do you want to do like a London trip? <laughs> as much as I would love that, I cannot swing that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, realistically, uh, I have like three days that I can swing. <laughs> Right? I was like, what What are you, like half the time is literally going to be in, on a plane. Like that's how little time we have. I mean, yes, actually. <laughs> I love your, I love how ambitious you are about this though. I appreciate the effort. I love it. So by the way, this is literally just a prelude to my story. This is not my actual story. So that's why I'm not getting into sources. I'm just, I found this fascinating and I had to share the fact that we used to tell ghost stories at Christmas. I literally had this conversation with Donna at a Christmas carol because I was like, duh, this makes sense because in Dickensian time, you used to tell Christmas, like you used to tell ghost stories at Christmas. Yes. So when Dickens discontinued his Christmas-themed publications in 1868, the Christmas ghost tradition suffered from the gradual loss of his sentimental morality. It didn't help that at the same time that the tradition of Christmas ghosts began to lose steam, a new tradition was brought to America by Scottish and Irish immigrants. Halloween. Yes, Samhain, baby. However, Halloween didn't immediately usurp Christmas as the go-to holiday for ghosts, partly because for several decades it was considered a holiday for Scots. Scottish, and to a lesser extent, Irish immigrants tried to dissociate Halloween from its ghostly implications and rebrand it as a day to celebrate Scottish heritage. Obviously, they were unsuccessful because Halloween (laughs) became the de facto holiday for spooky shit. Yes. However, as late as 1915, ghost stories were still being featured in magazines during their Christmas publications, and in Florence Kingsland's 1904 Book of Indoor and Outdoor Games, telling ghost stories was listed as quote-unquote fine fare for a Christmas celebration, because according to her, quote, the realm of spirits was always thought to be nearer to that of mortals on Christmas than at any other time, which kind of blew my mind because, again, that's Halloween to me. Like, it's not Christmas. I, like... Can't wrap my head around this. So, in honor of resurrecting the Christmas tradition of telling ghost stories, I'm going to tell you my favorite kind of <gasps> ghost story. Yay! A fucking celebrity ghost story. Yes, bitch! Yes. You fucking knew. I did it. You fucking knew. I didn't even know. <laughs> I was so excited about the old-timey ghost telling shit at Christmas and then that we psychic sistered Christmas Carol. Yes! I was like, I don't even know where this is going. Yes. So exciting. I know. I'm, I'm like twists and turns. I'm throwing you off. I love it. Trying to keep you on your toes. You do. You nailed it. Thank you. 
And actually, I'm pretty sure that in A Christmas Carol, they do mention that the veil between the spirit world and the, is the thinnest on Christmas Eve. Yes. That it is mentioned in A Christmas Carol. And I was very confused as well. I was like, I'm sorry. Isn't that Halloween? You're like, have I been lied to this whole time? What's what's happening? Spoiler, yes. Yes. Yes, I, yes we have. We all have collectively. Apparently, it's Christmas. Christmas is actually the spookiest holiday. I love it. Which I kind of get because honestly, like it. The anxiety. Terror and anxiety beforehand. <laughs> where I'm like, oh my yes. God, there's just so much to do and not enough time to do it. And oh my God. I've been living that in that space for the last week, yeah. girl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> is it five days before Christmas? Yes. Have I finished my Christmas shopping? No. Of mm. course. Boom. So sources, obviously, Celebrity Ghost Stories, season four, episode three, and good old Wikipedia. Mm. Reginald Johnson, middle name Vell, was born on August 16th, 1952 in Queens, New York. And growing up, Reginald said he was very aware of ghosts and spirits. All because one night when he was a little kid, shortly after his grandfather died, he saw his grandfather standing at the top of their stairs, clear as day. After a moment, the figure disappeared. And although he never saw his grandfather or any other spirits for that matter, after that, Reginald never forgot his first paranormal experience. Reginald grew up and went on to earn a Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater from New York University, where he had a chance to work with Joseph Papp's Black and Hispanic Shakespeare Company, alongside CCH Pounder and Morgan Freeman. Fuck yeah. So, fucking good for you. Work. Not long after, Reginald decided to officially change his last name to Vell Johnson, spelled as one word, because he, quote, wanted a name people would remember, end quote. And thus, Reginald Vell Johnson was born. Now... Although Reginald made a brief appearance in the movie Ghostbusters in 1984, his breakthrough role came in 1988 when he played LAPD Sergeant Al Powell in my favorite Christmas movie of all time, Die Hard. Boom. As well as the sequel, Die Hard 2. And for those of you who don't consider Die Hard a Christmas movie, one, you're wrong. (laughs) Objectively. Objectively. Two, fight me. It's Christina's favorite Christmas movie. That's because she's an amazing person, yes, and that makes sense. She watches it every Christmas day. She gets all her friends together, they order Chinese food, and they watch Die Hard. Christina, I think I just fell in love with you a little bit. That is beautiful, (laughs) and I might have to steal that. And I actually got her an advent calendar that's Hans Gruber falling (gasps) off the tower, and it's every day. It's like, (laughs) it goes closer to the floor, (laughs) to the sidewalk. Oh my God. I actually look like a kid at Christmas because I'm like bouncing <laughs> up and down and I like my jaws drop and my hands are waving. I'm too excited about that. Movie. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. <laughs> Fun fact, Reginald was cast in that role when Gene Hackman, who was originally hired, became unavailable. Mm, probably better for everyone. Right? No, he's amazing. I cannot picture Gene Hackman doing also, this. Also, I just hear that he's just a dick and a dick human oh, being really? and a dick to work with. Yeah. I Bill Murray that, and him but- like- Epically got into it in in uh, Royal Tenenbaums. Really? Yeah, yeah. And I feel like Bill Murray is such a sweetheart, so that really tells me something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like what when Chevy Chase and Bill Murray like had like a fist fight, you know, backstage of SNL, and then like it's only recently that everyone's like Chevy Chase is a piece of shit. It's like no, lots of people knew. Yeah, they lots were aware. of people knew. Yep. Everyone was just like, but he's funny. Like, come on. He's funny. I mean, to steal yeah. a line from from Bill Murray mid-fist fight, he called Chevy Chase a mediocre talent. And I was like, oh. 
I feel like that is like... He doesn't lie. That is the biggest burn I feel like you could give to somebody in that industry too. I definitely said it to someone once. (gasps) I love you and I respect it. I bet they fucking deserved it, Monique. Absolutely. I'm not just throwing that shit around. No. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. I have, I've only said it once, but it was definitely deserved. I have no doubts and I would back you up on this in a second (laughs) without even knowing this person. I'd be like, yeah, no, they're a mediocre talent. Thank you. Yeah. I was like, you're starting all this shit and you're fucking mediocre talent. Get the fuck out of here. Savage. I fucking love you, Monique. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I try to be cute and like, you know, do all the meditation and the yoga and shit. But like (laughs) that savage Scorpio queen is like right beneath the surface. She's ready to sting. Yep. Oh, I will fucking burn your house down and murder your dog and not give a fuck about it. Straight up. So like... (gasps) Like that's that's where I'm at. I do not give a fuck because I know people don't care about people. They care about animals, though. They do. I literally, I was like, fuck the person. <laughs> what the dog didn't do anything. The dog is not a mediocre talent. I'm not actually gonna do it. No, of course not. But don't fuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, push come to shove, I fucking will. <laughs> so Reginald flew in from New York to film Die Hard in L.A. But the shoot lasted for nine months, which was so long that he decided to just stay in California. Holy fuck. Right? Nine months. That seems like a long time, right? This isn't a Lord of the Rings. Right? Dude, they had so many problems. If anyone is interested, they did an episode on Netflix's The Films That Made Us, I want to say. Oh, okay. And it, it talks about like everything that fucking went wrong in that movie shoot, which was like basically everything. So it's very interesting. I watched it when it came out, which was a couple of years ago, I want to say. So I don't remember all the details, but I might give it a rewatch because I remember finding out so many things that I was like, I had no fucking idea. Yeah. And you know, I'm like you, I like all the, I like all the background information. I like the behind, the behind the scenes and the inside the episode. Like I want to. Girl, I live for that. Yep. Over the next few years, Reginald continued to act and definitely got typecast as a policeman because he went on to play a police officer alongside Tom Hanks and Turner and Hooch in 1989. Then later that year was cast as Carl Winslow, the memorable police officer and and family patriarch in the sitcom Family Matters. After the success of Family Matters and with several seasons of the show under his belt, he was finally able to buy a piece of property in LA to call his own. Eventually, Reginald found a condo that was being sold by two older gentlemen named James and Alan. He toured the property with his realtor and met the men who were still living in the apartment at the time. Since Reginald really liked the place, he made an offer and the owners accepted. Although he had to wait for them to move out before he was able to move in, once he did, he felt like he finally had a real place to call home. And at first, everything was great. Mm -hmm. Because it always is. Always. At first. But that didn't last long, and after a while, Reginald said strange things started to happen. He started hearing noises at night, specifically footsteps, ones that sounded like they were coming from inside the house. Mm, mm -mm. Nope, already out. But whenever he went to check, nothing was there, and from what he could tell, there didn't seem to be anything in the house that was causing the noise. But like everyone who's ever heard a weird noise in their apartment, late at night, he just chalked it up to random house noises the pipes or the house settling, whatever, and he tried to forget about it. After a few nights of ignoring the sounds of footsteps in his apartment, Reginald was asleep in bed when he felt, quote, the oddest sensation, end quote. He said he felt fingers touching him, <gasps> first on his hands, uh-uh. then his face, uh! just softly stroking his skin, which, no, 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 I'm out, the match is lit, 
It's down. We're burning the whole place down. (laughs) No. I'm in the car. Amazing. Now, this he couldn't possibly ignore and blame on the house. The touch had woken him up after all. Seeming more curious than afraid, Reginald opened his eyes to see what had touched him, but there was nothing there. Then, out of the corner of his eye, he suddenly saw a shadow in the hallway move past. He said it had a shape, but it just looked like a dark mist, and there was no solid form to it. Thinking there might be someone in his home, he got up to check the hallway, but of course, no one was there. Reginald said, quote, I had no idea what it was or who it was, but it made me very nervous, end quote. Fortunately for Reginald, though, his brother apparently already had a psychic woman named Johnny on speed dial. His brother said she had the most amazing ability and told him he had to reach out to her. I mean, I'm obsessed. Who amongst us does not just have one on speed dial? I do not, but I love it that he was like, um, I think there's something in my apartment. And he was like, I got a psychic. Here's her number. You're good. I got you. If anyone was going to, it'd be you, Monique, and I would be calling you like, hey, uh, so I need like a priest or a psychic. And I know you've got the hookup. So light on me. I could get you a priest and I could get you a palm reader. I don't know about a psychic. Girl, that's two out of the three P's. I'm down. <laughs> We're good. Box is checked. Boom. And Reginald wasted no time immediately doing just that and reaching out to her. When he eventually met with her, she asked him some questions, and Reginald was impressed when she was able to tell him not only his mother's name, but his grandmother's as well. Obligatory devil's advocate. One, he's famous, although I know information on celebrities wasn't as widely available at that time like it is today. Two, she does know his brother, so like she could have gotten the info from him. But regardless. Sure. All of a sudden, she stopped and asked him, who's James? When he told her he didn't have anyone in his family named James, she said, well, James is the one in your apartment. Mm. Reginald was shocked. He hadn't mentioned what had been happening in his apartment to her at all. And in fact, still didn't fully believe himself that something had been in there with him. But James had been the name of one of the men he'd bought the condo from. So he started to wonder if it was possible it was the same James. So after he left the psychic, he called his realtor to ask about the previous owners and more specifically, what, if anything, had happened to James. No, stop it. Oh my God, no. Girl. No. His realtor told him that unfortunately, James had died of a heart attack shortly after they sold the condo to him. Oh my God. Girl, this is my fucking nightmare. Like you buy a place, you're so happy you move in. And then the person you bought it from is like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm died. And now I'm your new roommate, but I'm not paying rent. Bitch, you fucking sold it to me. You moved on. Get the fuck out. Like I have the deed and your name is not on it. You better be forking up for a fucking mortgage <laughs> or some shit. You're coming back, motherfucker. <laughs> right? Like, I don't have a spare bedroom now. Like, this is my room. Get the fuck out. My jaw is literally on the floor and I'm gripping the wall at this information. Girl, I would not have been able to handle Again, the match is lit. I'm fucking out. No, goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Now, Reginald said he could tell when he'd met him that James was very attached to the apartment and knew that he had lived there for quite a long time, almost 15 years. He got the feeling that James hadn't wanted to sell the place as much as his partner Alan had and wondered if his spirit had returned to what it believed was its home after he died. Mm-hmm. That's fucked up. I'm sorry that you're like, bye, partner. Clearly, I don't give a fuck about you. But really, I just need my condo. Right? That's, that was the love of my life. 
was my condo in LA. I'm assuming they were older gentlemen, but like in my mind, he literally died of a broken heart from having to move out of the apartment. Like his his partner convinced him and he was like, I really don't want to move. And then they did. And he was like, my heart is broken. I can't take it. I, just reunite me with my apartment. I mean, girl. I mean, I get it. New York real estate's crazy. I'm sure if I died, I'd be like, absolutely not am I giving up this place. This is my apartment. Thank you. I mean, in April will be 14 years that I'm living in my apartment. That blows my mind, Monique. I have never lived anywhere for 14 years. Anywhere. I hate moving. (laughs) I mean, yeah. No, it's a fucking nightmare. And I'm rent stabilized. Oh, I mean, yeah. You're coming back to haunt that place. You're never leaving. I don't even think I'm going to come back to haunt that place. I'm only going to come back to haunt it if they're like, there's a lot of paperwork and you have to like move everything to the other side. Then I'm like, no, I'm going to fucking stay here. That's literally the only, I don't care. Like it's moving is actually the worst. It's actually the worst. (laughs) (laughs) What Monique is telling you is that she's going to die in this apartment because she's never going to move out of it. Yes, absolutely. I'm out of here in a fucking pine box. Like, I'm not leaving this apartment. If I'm leaving, it's for an incredible apartment or home or some, some you know, I get married or something. Like, that's <laughs> how I'm leaving. Oh, my God. I fucking love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Well, apparently this is how James feels because he's like, absolutely not. Fuck this. Mm-mm. So a couple nights later, Reginald was in bed sleeping when suddenly he was woken up by loud crashing noises from the other room. Uh -uh. He said it was the most horrible sound of glass breaking and crashing and just chaos. Obviously wondering what the fuck was going on, he got out of bed and followed the sound. Based on what he'd heard from the other room, he expected to walk in and find an entire room destroyed, or at the very least that he would find something had broken and glass shattered on the floor. But when he walked into the living room, there was no mess and nothing had been shattered. But there, in the middle of the room, on the floor, was a huge mirror lying face up with a glass lamp sitting directly in the center of the mirror. The thing he couldn't wrap his head around, though, was that both the mirror and the lamp were completely unbroken. That's a fucking power move. Right? That's such a ghost power move to be like, in case you didn't know I'm here and I'm running this motherfucker, like there is no logical way that these things fell down and fell on each other and are not broken. It had to be placed there. Yep. In case you didn't know, now you know. Now you know. Is that Biggie? It's like, if you don't know, now you know. Like, (laughs) that's what the fuck James is doing right now. (laughs) Yes, that is big ghost energy right now is what that is. Yes. (laughs) Yes, for real. Also, the fact that like they can just make it sound like your entire house is like crashing down around you and then you go in there and there's like nothing, nothing's out of place except this, these two very specific things in the middle of the room. Like, no. Again, you're right. That's a fucking power move and I'm not here for it. Mm -hmm. Reginald couldn't believe what he was seeing because he knew that if the mirror had fallen, one, it would have broken. And two, it would not have ended up in the very center of the room face up And three, it definitely would not have had a glass lamp fall perfectly upright on top of it in the center. And also not break. Also not break. Correct. He said, quote, it was like something had placed it there so delicately, end quote. Mm -hmm. In the understatement of the year, Reginald said, quote, it was very unnerving, end quote, which like balls. Okay. You know, that's a nice polite way to say that. Whereas if it was me, it's like, how was that? Like, ah, 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 ah. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be like me being like, well, I peed my pants a little bit. So there's that. Um, and I don't live there anymore. The ghost can have it. <laughs> and I, yeah. Even though the deed says that I own it, it's not mine. Nope. I'm now on trial for arson. I Unrelated. <laughs> but, you know. Suddenly, as he was examining the mirror and the lamp, Reginald turned and saw a man in the corner of the room. Mm-mm. Girl, I know. He recognized him immediately as James. Stop it. I know. I can't. It's not even like a fucking shadow or anything. It's like, that's the fucking bro who sold me my fucking apartment. Literally. He said he was even wearing the same clothing as he had been when they met, which, I mean, considering it's probably like a pair of chinos and a button down, like it's not that crazy. (laughs) It's his ghost outfit. He probably has a lot of those outfits, but. Sure. Yeah. He said, quote, you know, I'm a man. I don't scare easy, but I was scared out of my mind, end quote. Fortunately for Reginald, as soon as he blinked, James was gone. After that, Reginald, who clearly knew what the fuck time it was, did the smart thing and decided to throw a motherfucking priest party. Yes, bitch. Yes, because he is not fucking around and he knows what the fuck is up. He knows what time it is. He knows what time it is. His brother has got a fucking psychic on speed dial. He's good. Exactly. So he called a preacher and had them come and bless his apartment. He also hung a cross by the front door for good measure because for shits and giggles. Can't hurt. What's it going to hurt? Yeah, can't hurt. Literally. Yeah. Reginald said he finds it sad, but that he believes that there are people who just love the place they live so much that they don't want to leave, mm. even after they've died. Fortunately for Reginald, though, the priest party was a success, and that was the last time he saw James. He said, quote, maybe James finally went home because he's not here anymore, end quote. And that is the story of Reginald Bell Johnson, his celebrity ghost story. For Christmas. I have not seen this episode. (gasps) I'm completely obsessed. Girl. I love this so much. Good. I'm glad you did. I really enjoy him. He was great. And like, I just, he's got great energy and he's just like so fucking matter of fact and down to earth. Yeah. If you guys are interested in another celebrity ghost story from another Christmas movie icon, Daniel Stern, who played Marv in Home Alone. Yeah, he tells his story on season two, episode 15, about the time he and his wife ended up in the quote-unquote ghost town of Whittacombe in the UK. I remember that story, yeah. Yes. So I almost did this one. But then when I looked it up, I found it very interesting that basically the celebrity ghost story segment, his celebrity ghost story segment, caused the rumor that this was a ghost town to circulate. And the town has like been fielding inquiries about it ever fucking since. So they literally have a page dedicated to addressing this rumor on their website. Like that's how prevalent this is. And according to them, Whittacombe is definitely not a ghost town and is in fact a thriving village with a great living community. (laughs) And as for the silent ghost that he supposedly saw dressed in all black, the town explained that in rural areas, when there's a funeral of someone local or well-known, most of the villagers turn out to silently pay their respects. And it's likely that that was what he had seen. Ah, okay. So if you watch it, it's still an enjoyable story. Still enjoyed it. But little obligatory devil's advocate for you right at the beginning. So I love it. Girl. 
I never get tired of celebrity ghost stories. Uh, no. Did I watch way more than I needed to to decide I was going to do this one? Yes, I did. Well, that's how that's the gig. That's how you're like, oh, maybe I'll do. Oh, I don't know if I want to do that one. Let's, Let's just watch, watch a couple one. more. And then like five episodes later, I'm like, fuck. All right. I got to actually like. <laughs> I need to decide on one. Decide and like make a story. Thank you. <laughs> I love it so much. But yeah, in honor of our new Christmas tradition of telling ghost stories, you can tell celebrity ghost stories at Christmas. I love that so much. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for that story. Didn't know it. Hey. It's funny. Whenever I, I, I think of that actor, I think more of uh, Family Matters because I religiously watched it every Friday, TGIF. Did you? Yes. I, I totally missed out on that. I don't know if it's because like I... I was still like a little young when it came out, so. Yeah, I think you were like a, a touch young. And there's one episode that just is so burned in my mind. And it was like the one like super emotional episode. And it's basically that there's a hostage situation that ended up happening of like this guy went to go get ice cream. And then some other dude came in at the same time and like held up the gas station that the guy was getting ice cream at. And then Carl Winslow was called to the scene to like, you know, de-escalate the situation, whatever the fuck. And the guy ends up dying. Like he ends up getting shot by the, and then, so the episode starts with him. Like it's like the 20th year anniversary. And like every year he goes to the guy's like grave to like, you know, pay his respects. Oh shit. Yeah. And then he like comes across the man's widow who's also <gasps> there. And he like, it's so, I literally could start sobbing, like thinking about it right now. And this, I saw this like oh! 35 years ago and he's like sobs to her being like, I should have, I wish I could have done something. It's like my fault that he's not here. And then she says to him, you know, we were, that they'd been married forever and that they were watching TV and she really wanted ice cream. So he went out. And like, got it. So like that it's a thing of like, it's not yeah, anyone's fault. Oh my God. Like I could sob right now. That gave me chills. Fuck. Literally like the Stefan and the Urkel of all of it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like that episode, like literally is just like imprinted on, it like affected me very deeply. Yeah. Uh, so it's a really beautiful episode. I mean, I haven't seen that since it aired, but uh, I, I was a big, big fan of, of the TGIF Family Matters step-by-step. Step, I love it. All of that was like, on Friday, I'm fucking busy, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I have my shows to watch. Thank you. And then on Saturday, I have Snick, where I watch <gasps> Are You Afraid of the Dark? So, Oh, my God. I forgot they used to call it Snick. That, I love it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh, my God. Are You Afraid of the Dark? I literally could not watch the intro because the intro was, like, traumatized. I would literally leave the room and come back because I was like, <laughs> nope. No, no, no. Thank you. It's like, I'm going to brave this out watch it but yeah no one's gonna watch that shit with me everyone thought i was fucking weird my family they're like why are you doing this <laughs> and here i am all of these years later continuing to do the same thing except now you found your real family of weirdos who want to watch this stuff with you absolutely Thank you so much for that story. I love, I loved it. I loved it so much. Oh my God. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I forgot you were a big Family Matters fan. So that makes it even better. I loved it. Oh my God. One little side thing that I just remembered. I thought of you on my trip because somebody <gasps> in my dad's neighborhood had not one, but two of the fucking 12 foot skeletons in their yard dressed as fucking Santa Claus. And I was like, yes, this is Monique's fucking jam right now. This is a life I aspire to lead. Like, okay, okay. I'm moving so that I can get a home so that I can buy two 12-foot Home Depot skeletons. That's when I'm fucking moving. That's the only time she's moving out of her apartment. Death or she's getting skeletons. Yeah. 
Fair. And like, if I can fucking make a skeleton, a Home Depot skeleton fit in my apartment, I fucking will, goddammit. Better believe that shit. It's all I want. It would amuse me to no end if the first time I, because I've never been to Monique's apartment, fun fact. If the first time I ever came to your apartment, there was just one like lounging. <laughs> Two thirds of it is just lounging just... <laughs> in your bed, like doing the fucking, uh, the like arm shelf. It's like, I don't sleep in my bed anymore. Yes. The fucking, the Burt Reynolds on the couch. Yes. On, on the, on the, the fur rug, I mean. Yes. <laughs> yes. Honestly, I don't even want an engagement ring. I think I'll know <laughs> who my person is when he's like, babe, close your eyes, turn around. And it's a it's a 12-foot Home Depot skeleton. I'll be like, that's the one. That'll be a proposal for me. I won't even need a diamond. You're just going to say yes. He's not even going to ask. You're going to be like, yes, I will accept your skeleton. But like, if it's, the guy will be like, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm locking this shit down by getting her a 12-foot Home oh, Depot yeah. skeleton. That's all I want. Girls don't want boys or other girls. They just want the 12-foot Home Depot skeleton. There, I said it. Yes. Thank you. I, I stand by this. I love that so much. Uh, I want that so bad. Ah, I love you so much. I knew you would appreciate that. Yeah, I did. So now that we've got our celebrity ghost story for Christmas out of the way, are you ready to regale me with a horrifying true crime that may or may not be on theme? So here's the thing. This is the last episode of the year, and I really just didn't, I'm, I'm getting soft. I didn't want to end on a really horrible note where I cry because apparently up and this is the third December in a row. Well, this is because this is the only December where I have not cried at one of the episodes of the true crime episodes, because I always do a really horrifying one in December. Apparently you do. I don't know why. And I really just didn't want to end the year that way. And I found a story that I loved but it was very, very short. So basically, I'm going to give you a medley of ridiculous <gasps> Christmas crime stories. So you're going to get several stories. I love it. I kind of almost did the same thing because mine was. And I <laughs> you like, kind of did. I kind of did. I was like, I'm going to give you some background. I'm going to give you a little like if you want to watch more. And then we're going to talk about another one that I'm not really going to cover, but kind of going to cover. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so excited. We are fucking really psychic sistering this week. I love it. Like super hard. I love this. I love this. I love it. So there's a thousand sources, but it's just because <laughs> I'm telling you like multiple stories. I love it. <laughs> Sources, vice.com, dailymail.co.uk, zhiphopcleveland.com, investigationdiscovery.com, daytondailynews.com, cbsnews.com, uk.news.yahoo.com, crimeandinvestigation.co.uk, rt.com, seattletimes.com, kirklandreporter.com, porterandsonfd.com, and seattlepi.com. So if National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation has taught us anything, <gasps> it's that apparently... I'm like grinning already. <laughs> I'm so here for this. Oh, all right. Okay. I feel you're going to especially appreciate the first story. It's that apparently people can get competitive about their Christmas decorations. And in December 2014, Chilean mother of two, Angelica Navarro Pereira, boasted to all her neighbors that she had, quote, the best tree in the world, end quote. Renato Quinones Alfaro, a neighbor who had known Pereira for years, recalled her saying that her children were going to really enjoy Christmas this year and that she had the best tree in the world. 
With all the bragging, you'd think that Pereira would have invited the entire neighborhood over to bask in the glory of the world's best tree. But no. Alfaro recalled that not only had neither she nor anyone else in the neighborhood received an invitation to marvel at Pereira's tree, but that no one could even remember seeing her bring in a tree to her home. Lies. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) But in early December, neighbors did see cops raiding the 50-year-old Pereira's home in San Bernardo. Authorities had suspected Pereira of illegal marijuana cultivation (gasps) and trafficking. Ah, I was going to say, trees? You got some trees up in here? Okay. All right. I know that lingo. Thank you. Okay. And had been surveilling her for over a month. After gathering enough evidence, Chilean police proceeded with the raid. During the search of Pereira's home, police found and seized two homemade shotguns consisting of two metal tubes each. A girl. Girl. Homemade is, like, impressive, but also, like, I don't trust that. I'm not Literally saying. Yeah, thank you. Both of those things can be true. I can be impressed (sighs) and also be like, that's shoddy as shit. That seems dangerous, yeah. Super dangerous. With its respective firing pins... 29 bags of marijuana badged for sale, 250,000 pesos or $4,000 of suspected criminal proceeds from drug trade, and 21 five-foot-tall cannabis sativa plants, one of which Pereira had been using as a Christmas tree as she had surrounded it with presents. Hey, that is, she's right, though. She did have the best Christmas tree. The woman was actually not lying. All right, I back well, her up. Well, see, what, what, the thing that I'm curious about that I don't know if this is what's the implied thing by saying it's the best Christmas tree. Was she going to have like her children smoke the tree? I don't know how old her children are either. I don't know. I'm assuming. <laughs> I'm assuming not. Uh, one, because if they are, they're going to have to wait several weeks for that because they're going to have to cut it all down and dry it. And the whole, it's a whole thing. So I don't know how drugs work. So. So no, I guess not. Not at Christmas. Maybe for like, you know. Valentine's Day or something. Three Kings. Valentine's Day, those, yeah, yeah. It's like maybe, maybe by New Year's if you're, yeah. If it's really dry, you got some, if you've got some uh, dehumidifiers in there or mm. something, like, okay, maybe. The marijuana Christmas tree shocked authorities with a spokesperson saying, quote, we expected to find some drugs, but the last thing we expected to see was one of the plants being used as a Christmas tree, end quote. Which also... As someone who's very naive and a square, it's, I'm not that shocked by this shit. Like, it's like, right. oh, okay, that's okay. That makes sense. But like, these, you got like, it. What, I'm going to bring a whole other new fucking tree that I had to cut down into my house? No, there's like fucking 20 trees right there. But literally, like, these cops, like, pearls are clutched. They are scandalized. Like, absolutely. Angelica Navarro Pereira was transferred to the court of guarantee of San Bernardo, along with the evidence and convicted of drug trafficking. She was sentenced to 70 days in jail. And that's not the only time something like this has happened. Because in December of 2010, narcotics detectives in the Rhineland-Palatinate region of Germany, involved in a drug bust in a home at Montebar, uncovered a six and a half foot tall Christmas tree, fully decorated with tinsel and twinkling lights made entirely from cannabis. (laughs) Police... (laughs) <laughs> You're right. This was the fucking Christmas story for me, Monique. I am <laughs> so here for this. <laughs> Police confiscated the pot plant as well as 5.3 ounces of marijuana and arrested the owner. The police report slash press release was titled, quote, 
all you need is love or how a hippie celebrates Christmas, end quote, which who knew that Germans had a sense of humor? Because I absolutely didn't. I did not. No. The police report details how when the dump, again, these like cops are like, what are you patrolling that this is the most shocking thing you've ever seen in your life? It's like, it seems pretty normal to me. Yeah. It's fine. Like, I I didn't know that that we, tr- like, that they grew as, like, trees, that they could grow that tall. I didn't know that. But I was like, okay, the more you know. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't be like, <gasps> like, if I walked into someone's home, <laughs> you know? Like, you're police. I think you've seen uh, more shocking things than this. You've seen dead bodies and shit. Yeah. Yes. I don't know. It's Germany. I think they've seen some more shit. I'm just throwing it out there. Like, I mean... I'm going to guess, yeah. <laughs> you know, the police report details how when the dumbfounded police officers questioned the homeowner about his tree, the cannabis fan confirmed that the tree would be further decorated and that gifts would be arranged underneath it on Christmas Day, quote, according to tradition, end quote. And apparently Germany has a thing with celebrating the Christmas spirit with the ganj because the day before this story, Munich police detained a 21-year-old man after he created a homemade advent calendar that, instead of chocolates, had cannabis behind each door. This man is a genius. (laughs) Someone make this product and market it. Like, that is so amazing. So uh, I looked it up and... Uh, medical marijuana is legal in Chile and has been decriminalized in both spots. So it's just, so even that, like, it's annoying. Like, this is like stupid to be like that scandalized by. Yeah. So no more, no more weed Christmas talk. We're, we're shifting gears to another story. On February 19th, 2010, 23-year-old Sean Chanel tried to break into a home in the 7700 block of Seward Park Avenue South in Seattle. It's unclear if Chanel scoped out the house in advance, but when he did decide to carry out his plan, the couple who lived in the targeted house were vacationing in Mexico for the winter. Chanel put a chair on a central air conditioning unit and made his way to the roof of the home before trying to lower himself down the chimney. Guess the fuck what? This genius got stuck. No fucking shit, dude. Like, what were you thinking? One? You got to be super skinny too. Like, I would feel like you'd got to like lube yourself up or something first to like really shimmy down there. Well, not just that. At like, so my parents have a fireplace, which doesn't make any sense because it's Miami Beach. It's Florida and it's Miami. Yeah. Like yeah. what? It was an addition to the home. They added it. That's fine. My dad has a fireplace, lives in Tampa. That's not that far north. And it's beautiful, whatever. I mean, yeah. I- I'm going in a few days and <laughs> there's going to be a cold front where it's going to be like in the 30s when I'm there. So that's going to suck. In Miami? Yeah, it's like 30s, 40s. That's really crazy, actually. Yeah. I mean, it happens like two weeks out of the year. And it's usually the, in those two weeks, it's usually when I'm there. And I'm like, I can't wait to go swimming. Of course. No, that's not happening for me. And they're like, no, absolutely not. So things that I'm guessing people don't realize when they do shit like this is you can close the chimney so that when it's raining, for instance... Water doesn't come in. So you close it like, I have no idea what it's called, but it's, a, it's like a, a handle that you, you turn it and then it closes the chimney so things from the outside don't come in when you're not actively using the chimney, which that is fucking, like that's in it of itself is like, why would I want to go down there when it could just probably be locked? 
that I can't even get into the fucking house. Yeah. And then you're stuck and you either have to hope that you can shimmy up or you just then die of starvation in the fucking chimney. (sighs) Yeah. So this genius gets fucking stuck and he gets stuck there for almost six hours. Oh my God. Just breathing in all that ash. Nice. I'm not claustrophobic, but if I'm in a situation where I can't move, I can go from zero to freak out real quick. So to have like a six hour situation, no, I would, I would be freaking the fuck out. I'd be like, just God, take me now. Let's just, I don't even (laughs) want to get out of this. Like, just take me now. So I don't have to deal with this. So he's there for almost six hours before a neighbor walking by heard Chanel's cries for help and called 911. At 5.40 p.m., police and fire crews were dispatched to the scene. Seattle firefighters used jackhammer-like tools to remove bricks from the masonry chimney on the house, which property records show was built in 1962 near the Lake Washington shore. After working and chiseling away bricks for 45 minutes, the fire crew pulled an inexplicably naked Chanel from the rough edge chimney. Uh, did he get hot? Like what, what was the reasoning for that? It is unclear as to why (laughs) the would-be burglar was naked. Also, this is February in Seattle. Yeah, it's, Seattle doesn't really get like a lot of snow, but it definitely gets like, it's brisk. Pretty cold. Yeah, it definitely gets like down in the 40s, like high 30s for sure. That is not normal. I mean, girl. Also, I feel like he was just like, don't ask me any questions. And they were like, why are you naked? And he was like, I don't want to talk about it. And they were like, but like, why are you naked? And he was just like, no, I don't want to talk about it. It's literally the scene from Orange County where there's the fire and then Jack Black, who started it, is outside and he's just in his underwear. And Ben Stiller, (laughs) who's the cop on the scene, is like, where are your pants, Joe? (laughs) It's literally that scene. But this guy's fucking naked. During his statements to Seattle police, Chanel claimed that a friend had tossed his backpack into the covered chimney and that he was merely trying to retrieve it because Chanel is a fucking moron who's bad at his job. Yeah. Police found his green backpack leaning against the garage door of the home and a screwdriver near the home's front entrance. Bro, if you're going to lie, like, don't, like, lie better. I mean... (sighs) It would be better if you were like, I dropped my contact in there or something. Like, what? I literally, I dropped my clothes in there. I don't know because there's no one knows why the fuck he's naked. Also important to note, nothing was stolen during the incident because he fucking sucks at his job, clearly. (laughs) Oh my God, Seattle. Girl. Two weeks after the incident, Sean Chanel was charged with attempted burglary of felony. In information that will be shocking to absolutely fucking no one, Chanel had a criminal history that included 14 warrants, convictions for possession of a stolen vehicle, and four felony drug convictions. Wow, that's quite a rap sheet. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Mm -hmm. Yep. His chimney predicament earned him the nickname the Santa Claus Burglar. Chanel went to trial in July of that year and claimed the same bullshit that he had originally claimed in his police statement— that he wasn't trying to rob the house, but that a friend of his, who is nowhere to be found, apparently, in any of this, had thrown his backpack into the chimney and he was simply trying to retrieve it. Bro, why are you doubling Again, down? no mention as to why he ended up naked. Yeah, why are you doubling down on this lie? You know what? But I respect it. I respect it. You got to believe your lie. Wanda Sykes said it. She's like, you got to believe your lie. Like, you, you get That's fucked true. up when you flip-flop. Believe your lie. That's true. Sell your lie. All right. Okay. Okay. So I will give him props for that. It's a dumb as fuck lie. It's stupid. Yeah. But, you know, commit to it. 
You, you yeah. already made that bed. You got to commit to it, man. Can't change your story now. All right. I, I feel that. But the jury wasn't buying it. And on July 20th, after an hour of deliberation, the jury found Sean Chanel guilty of attempted burglary. In case it wasn't already apparent, Chanel does not appear to be the sharpest knife in the drawer. <laughs> As King County Superior Court Judge Helen Halper prepared to sentence him for residential burglary, Chanel cursed at her, Bro. which does not win favor at, at your sentencing. No, no, you are a fucking angel. You shut the fuck up. Be nice. Yes. You put on the card again. Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Like very. Yes. yes. Very polite. Then for reasons that eluded even his own attorney, Chanel asked the judge to sentence him to nearly two years of prison, significantly longer than the 15 month sentence his own attorney had requested. I literally do not know what's happening with this dude, like at all. I feel like he genuinely like didn't know how many months were in the year. And he was like, 15 months sounds like a lot. I'm going to ask for two years. That seems reasonable. And then everyone was like, um, you know, that's less time, right? I mean, maybe. I do remember reading that I think Burger King had come out with the a quarter third pounder. pounder and a th- yes, yes, you're and totally people right. And buy it because they said they thought that it was, thought a, it was less. Sl- less than a quarter pounder because the education yes. system in this country is failing everyone. Because we're done, Monique. Yes, correct. That that is true, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think he could be totally right because I'm like, why would you do that unless you're strung out on something? Oh, that also is a possibility because this is like when people give me babies' ages in months, and I'm like, wait, I got to do math because that's not that seems like a lot. Yeah, and they'll be like, my baby is like 17 months, and I'm like, okay, so not yet two. Amazing. Can you like just say that instead of making like just under a year and a half? Yeah, bro. I don't need the fucking hour and shit. Like, relax. I'm just trying to right? make conversation here. Relax. <laughs> It's an approx. I don't genuinely care. I'm not carding the kid. Can you just say like one or two? Literally. I'm not fucking, yeah, I'm not giving you my months. I'm fucking 33 and six months. Like, no, <laughs> no. I'm 33 and eight tenths. Like, who, stop. Right? <laughs> stop it. <laughs> stop Actually, it. stop it. Judge Halpert ultimately opted for a sentence between the two, 17 months, which was the same term recommended by Deputy Prosecutor Maurice Klassen. During sentencing, Judge Halpert also criticized Chanel for his bullshit explanation as to how he wound up stuck in the chimney of a Seward Park home for six hours on February 19th. And I'm assuming he got out for good behavior because in May of 2011, the Santa Claus burglar was arrested again for attempting to steal a portable generator and nearly running down two people with his car. Oh, my God. So being publicly shamed uh, did nothing for him. Didn't do anything. Yeah. Also, he's very clearly not the brightest. <laughs> no. And also his his mugshot, he literally is covered in soot. Like you couldn't <gasps> write it. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Okay, wait, that's hilarious. That's amazing. <laughs> yes. I love that. He looks like he's like straight out of Mary Poppins. Fucking amazing. Literally, step in time. Yes, that's literally what the fuck is happening. Wow. Yeah. The elevator doesn't stop on every floor, as my godmother would say. Yes, it's very true. <laughs> So this is the story, uh, this last story is the story that I actually wanted to do, but it's very short as you are going to hear, but I I loved it. Short and sweet. I love it. There's nothing wrong with that. Short and sweet. I loved it. Hey, sometimes good things come in short packages, Monique. Absolutely. Bam. Absolutely. (laughs) In November, 2011, an 11-year-old boy returned to his home just north of Dayton, Ohio from a peewee football game 
to find 44-year-old Terry Trent sitting on the family couch and watching TV. Since he didn't know who the fuck Terry Trent was, he called his mother, who was next door at a neighbor's house, to tell her that there was a strange man in the house. Tamara Henderson recalls her phone call with her son. She said, quote, What do you mean a man is in our house? You don't know if he has a gun or if he has a knife? End quote. And I'm assuming that her son told her that he didn't know if the stranger was armed. So Henderson, rightfully so, proceeded to freak the fuck out, screamed for her neighbors, and called 911. When Vandalia police arrived at the Henderson home, they found Terry Trent strung out on bath salts, oh, sitting girl. on... Girl, that is a fucking hell of a fucking thing. Like, what? Girl. Just, uh, just smoke weed on Christmas, like the first two stories. Like, fucking Christ, people. You don't need to be doing bath salts for Yeah, months. girl. Sitting on the family couch in the living room and watching the TV, which was at a very loud volume. It was believed that he had walked into the home through the back door and made himself comfortable. He lit a candle on the kitchen counter and the coffee table. <laughs> that was nice. That was nice. No, wait. He had even put up some Christmas decorations around the house. <laughs> you know what? It's cool. This is kind of nice. This is a nice random house guest. All right, he's helping out. This is what I'm saying. Oh, my God. Including a wreath on the garage door before vegging out on the couch. I'm obsessed with this story. I'm obsessed. Oh, my God. That's hysterical. And while Trent did have a pocket knife on him, he was by no means violent. He actually went out of his way to be polite, telling the 11-year-old who found him, quote, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. I'll get my things and go. End quote. Oh. I mean... That was kind of nice, yeah. Yeah. All right, just let this guy hang out. He seems cool. He helped you fucking decorate for Christmas. That's a fucking load off. Right? He's lighting He's lighting candles for ambiance. Like, dude's, dude's chill. All right, he can stay. He's cool. I mean, you know, we can lower the volume on the TV, but like, you know... And just maybe like a little less bath salts. Whatever. I'm just throwing it out there. Trent, who had a history of drug charges, was arrested without incident and charged with burglary. Despite that... One of Trent's co-workers described him as a very caring person involved with the Boy Scouts and a local church program, which helps convicted felons currently in prison. Terry Trent passed away in 2019, and his obituary reads, quote, He was always involved in anything that his kids showed interest in. He was a scoutmaster at Belmont United Methodist Church. He taught young men how to survive in conditions of Mother Nature, building campfires, and their paths to success in life. He also helped his kids in baseball. He was coaching at Anki Middle School. He always wanted the best for his children, Anthony and Cody Trent. He himself never changed his love for others, end quote. And as I said earlier, everyone's wilding out a lot because, because the holidays are very stressful and families are very stressful and all the money for gifts and decorating and there's not enough time. But if this dude could be like high off his tits on bath salts and still be really polite and help right? his family decorate, I think we can all make it through our family dinners. You know what I'm saying? Right. Also, bath salts is the thing that was like supposedly rumored to cause that guy to eat another man's face. He was on weed. Yes. He just smoked weed. He wasn't on bath salts. No. He, he, there was something else going on. That weed does not do that. No, I, but was, yeah. No, no, no. It was severe mental illness. Yes, but he was not actually on basalts. Yes, that's what did that. The only substance was weed. Weed doesn't make you eat a stranger's face and attack them. Yes. Severe 
undiagnosed and un unchecked mental health issues maybe do. But yeah, so those are little Christmas medley of ridiculous <laughs> Christmas stories. Christmas crimes. I loved that. That made me so happy. I feel like those were like tailored to me. Those were just, <sighs> I loved it. I loved it. I kind of like the little, little short little stories. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a little anthology. It's fun. Yeah. And I just wanted to end it on a, on a nice note. I didn't want to be like, no, we didn't cry. We're no. super happy. I'm like bouncing around. I got a coffee cup full of wine. It's great. I'm fucking, I was here for all of this money. I mean, same. I loved your story. I loved your three stories, essentially. My three stories. <laughs> Guys, Christmas and Hanukkah. Hanukkah didn't come early because we're in Hanukkah right now. We are. Happy happy Hanukkah, Hanukkah, guys. All the things. All the things. All the things. Happy happy all the things. But all of the the holidays came early because you got like seven stories today. I know. My holidays certainly came early. I mean, same. I loved it. I know. Plus, I got to see you and talk to you, which is like my favorite thing. So, Likewise. Yeah. It's the best part of my week, truly. Girl, same. These last few weeks have been a battle, let me tell you. (laughs) You've been like nonstop legitimately. Wednesday was tough. I will say the day we recorded was tough. (laughs) I, that was, yeah. When I looked down, I was like, it's four in the morning basically. And I was like, cool. Got to be up in, oh, and then I told you, I was like, oh, I don't, I don't have to do anything to do. And then I was like, oh no, I definitely have something at 9am. So that sucks. Lies. Yeah. Lies. I tell myself. I mean, girl, that's how, that's how the world goes wrong, right? (laughs) I love you so much. I love your story so much. I love you so much. Same. I loved all my stories this week. I feel so, I feel so lucky. I got like fucking five presents instead of just one. This was amazing. Yeah. I mean, likewise, this, this was so fun. I loved all the stories. This is the last show of the year. And we are going to be taking the first week off of January. So next week, there will not be an episode just so we can have a second to hang out with loved ones and just breathe for a second. But we will be back the second week of January with all more crime and ghosties and alienies and all those things. And we will not at least I, my vow to you is my next story will be fucking brutal because I want really soft for the Christmas spirit. <laughs> so she's like, I'm going to really hammer it in for the new year that this is a fucking horror podcast. All right. Well, I mean, now that Monique's like thrown the gauntlet down, like I have to fucking, I have to fucking do a horrifying one. Amy's like, don't threaten me with a good time, bitch. <laughs> right? I was like, I have true crime next time. So, I mean, we can go, we can go hard if that's what you want, Monique. Let's go, baby. Okay. You know, there's like a 90% chance you're getting a cannibal story if that's the case, because that is the most horrifying thing to me. Girl, I fucking know. I know you. Yeah. I know you know. I know you. You know me so well. We psychic sisters so much in this episode. We psychic so hard. I love it. It made me so happy. I love it. Another one even came up that because I'm me, I already forgot what I was going to tell you because it wasn't like, I couldn't just pop in in the middle of your story with it. It was too random. But then I was like, (laughs) this is why we're psychic sisters. Like so many reasons, but here's another one. I love it. It's, I just, you know, I'm a total sap and I just love everything about us meeting and us connecting and like us going on this bizarre journey together and that I... (laughs) I don't know if you know this. Every week, I'm like, oh, Amy's going to shut this shit down like this week. She's going to be like, fuck this. I'm not into this anymore. Still, I'm still into it. Monique, this is definitely the thing I have kept with the longest. I am infamous for fucking 
bailing on shit as soon as I started because I'm like, this is way too much. So, girl. But no. That makes me feel really special. I knew. I knew. There's something special here. I know. I know. I and love I it. And I adore you. I adore you. I would miss having you in my life every week. So. I mean, same. It is It is a thing that even when I'm exhausted and then I, like, I see your face on the on the Zoom, I'm like, <sighs> same. And then we have our psychic sister moments and I'm like, ah, yes. Ah, All is yes. right in the world. Yes. It's yes. just beautiful and serendipitous and I love every minute of it. I love it so much. Who... If you would have been told this fucking June of 2020. I would have laughed in your face. I would have laughed in your face, Monique. That you will use the words uh, manifestation (laughs) at any point in your life. I would have laughed in your face. I stand by that. (laughs) There were psychic sisters. You'd be like, sure, Jan. (laughs) Literally, yes. That is exactly my reaction. I love it so much. But here we are. Here we are, Psychic Sisters, baby. Fucking two years later, going on our 100th episode soon? It's coming up, baby. Girl, okay. I mean. So I've been told. I like blacked out apparently <laughs> for like. like, I don't fucking know. I had no idea. And then I was like, thank God Monique is fucking running the show and she knows what the fuck is up. <laughs> Somebody has to be steering this boat. So it's a very mutual effort. It's a very mutual effort. If I was just running this, there would not be a show straight up. <laughs> I feel like I can't do this. Uh, I love you so much. Thank you for your story. I love you. Your stories. They were amazing. Thank you for your stories. I love you so much. And we love you guys so much. This is another fucking horror podcast. I'm Monique Sanchez. And I'm Amy Trayton. You can find me, Monique, at Pin Up Girl Mo on the gram. You can find me at Lobotomy, and that's Lobot period Amy. You should also follow the show's gram because we post some fun things on there every now and then. And it is another fucking horror podcast. Every sixth episode, we do a True Listener Tales episode where we read your true personal crazy stories. So if you have one or you just want to say hi, you can email us at another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you and fucking. Guys, we're so obsessed with you. Have a wonderful holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Mary, all of the things. All the things. Same. Wishing you a wonderful end of this year and a really beautiful start to next year. We're so obsessed with you. Keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.